Welcome, friends and fellow passionate entrepreneurial teachers. Today, we have another interview with a, a fellow entrepreneurial teacher who is also one of my Antinet Zettelkasten friends from the Scott Shepherd Group. Terry Greer is joining me today to share his journey. And Terry is a sober coach who helps people become alcohol-free. Uh, he has a YouTube channel and a website that we'll talk about at the end, uh, where he shares his experiences, insights, and advice on how to live a healthy life by removing alcohol as a distraction and negative influence. So as a quick framing question for our audience, what do you love to teach and share with others? Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. And I think the number one the number one thing that I like to teach is that that alcohol can be optional in your life. I think that we live in a culture that uh, that brings uh, that that has has celebrated might be too strong of a word, but that this basically allows alcohol to be uh, accepted from the birth of a child to the to to you go to funerals to everywhere in between birthday party celebrations. Like if it's it's the norm that oh you, you win an event and you pop champagne that that somehow that success and 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 celebration uh, requires alcohol for you to 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 enjoy the moment. And I I think that's I think it's a lie is what is what I would say. And I think that if anything that that alcohol is actually a detractor. Um, and and so that that's a kind of a judgy big statement, but that's what I believe. And 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 I like to uh, help people understand and at least the people that I speak to that that I get to work with, uh, they they have that question that pops in, would my life be better if if I removed alcohol? And uh, and from my from my experience and from the people that I work with, I think the answer is yes. I absolutely agree. As um as an athlete, and even more so, someone who's married to like a extreme athlete, uh, alcohol plays a huge role in our health um, and and just the way that we interact with the world. So yeah. uh, I am absolutely on board. And how did you end up here? What what in your life journey brought you to this point where now you're you're starting to dive into this entrepreneurial teaching journey? Yeah, that's a great question, Stephanie. Thank you. So basically, uh, you know, I'm 55 today um, as of this recording, and I grew up in, in Louisiana, uh, in, and I, I like to call it, Louisiana has that laissez-faire kind of attitude of live and let live, and uh, and things very much were celebrated around alcohol. And so from a very early age, it was just part of the culture and, and, and it's, and it's easy to fall into that because it's, it's a good time. It's like, who doesn't like uh, the quote unquote to the, the person who, who has a good time and, and that sort of thing. And anyway, so I advanced in my, in my life, I moved to Texas in 1991 and started my career and just with my personality and things like that, I didn't exactly go to college for to be a salesperson, but I, I fell into a sales role. And, and so I've had several uh, from a very large corporation like UPS uh, in a sales role to a very small family run insurance agency as a salesperson, as an insurance agent. I've done, I've done both trying to kind of fit where I was, but along the journey, what was always there is uh, client entertainment and traveling and, and basically, uh, uh, just the, the the habit of of drinking alcohol and uh, my health started as I started aging up in my forties. I, I I was over three hundred pounds, um, and I was drinking almost every day, uh, and and it just it just got to where uh, that drip 
of that scenario. It's like, I, 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 for a long time, I was like, I spent time in the self-help mindset of like, okay, what can I do to fix this? And uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a proponent that, that if you remove alcohol, uh, from your life, you're going to get the girl, make a lot of money and magically have the best body you've ever had in your life. I, I, I think, I think it's a component, like, I think it clouds things. And so my point is, and at 40, 45 years old, basically, I was, I, I had to have the honest talk with myself that, uh, step one, step one to make some improvements with myself, um, uh, uh, ba- basically in, in, in a nutshell is I felt successful on the outside. I had a house, I have a lovely wife of uh, now of 20 years and, and had a great job and all the rest, but I, I felt very lacking on the inside and in that, and I felt uh, that, that conversation of like, what if this, that question popped in my head? What if I didn't drink alcohol? What would that be like? And it scared the hell out of me, frankly. Um, I didn't think I could, I didn't, I didn't know. And I didn't, I didn't know if I would be accepted, if I'd have friends and how would I socialize? And there's all those issues. And, and from the outside world, my friends saw me as a middle lane drinker, kind of like just middle of the road, just like everyone else. Hey, you have a few beers when you hang out, that sort of thing. But I kind of knew in my heart of hearts that because I would try to stop on my own. And I felt that little bit of, uh, that, that I could tell that it had a grip on me. And then I wanted, I pushed that feeling down because I was like, I didn't like the way that, I didn't want to admit that to myself. And eventually I, I came to terms with that through a journaling process that I did. And, um, and it took me about a year and a half to fight through it. And, and I, and I got it done in, in October of, of 2018 was, was the last time I drank alcohol and, uh, and it's been five years. And, and basically uh, the fast forward, you know, several years, um, of just being grateful and being in different people's communities. And, and I want to bring my voice mainly because there was one person in particular for me that, that, that I saw and, and she was on the internet and, and I've met her in person now a couple of times, but her name is Holly Whitaker and she had a voice out there. And I was like, if that woman can do it. And I, I loved the way she saw the world and the way she spoke. And it moved me to say, I want some of that for my life. I want some of that in my life and I want, if she can do it, I can do it. And, and, and I want to be like her basically in in a nutshell. And so I moved in that direction. And so if I can just speak my voice, speak my story, if you will, tell my truth, if you will, um, and it can just grab a hold of one person, then, then, then that's what I want to do. And so in a short nutshell, that's, that's where I'm at. So I'm in a transitional period of like building that up outside of my corporate world and, and all of that. How's that? That was awesome. Yeah, there's there's a couple of, of great things in there. And I think you spoke to how most people end up on their entrepreneurial journey is just, you know, seeing seeing something that's needed out in the world, you know, wanting to help solve a problem and recognizing that that you have something that you can give to help others. And a lot of times there is that personal connection of it helped transform your life and now you want to share it with others. So I'm curious, is there, is self-awareness is a tough thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So was there someone or something in your life that, that helped you get to that point of the journaling and asking yourself those questions? Um, Or is it just something, I mean, we all do kind of, reflect in some capacity as we go through our lives but was there like an impetus for for really reaching out through that personal growth and development kind of place 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would, I would link it back to um, the bullet journal in 2014. Uh, there was this thing called Google Plus, if you don't know what that is, but there was this thing called Google Plus, which Google's foray into social networking that lasted like a microsecond. And for whatever reason, I was playing around with Google Plus and I found this thing called the bullet journal community and I had no idea what it was. And because there was nothing going like, like Google plus when I jumped, when I jumped on was like a ghost land and I was just playing around and I found something popped up and they served me up a, uh, and I clicked and there's like 50 people in this thing. Ryder Carroll, who is the inventor of the bullet journal, wasn't even, didn't even know this thing existed. And that clicked to a link called the bullet journal.com. Um, and it was a one page. It, if you go there now, it's, he's got a whole program and courses and all kinds of cool stuff. But back then it was, it was micro. He still had a day job and he had one page, like you do this, this, and this. And it was a simple, simple page. And I bought it and he didn't even have a, like now he sells a notebook, right? Not that I'm pimping his stuff, but he has a book with his name on it. He didn't even have a notebook. Everyone was like, what book do you use? What book, like what pen do you use? I mean, it was all that kind of simple stuff. And it was basically like, you put the date at the top and you start just logging what you do. If you have a thought that crosses your head, put it down. If you have a task to do, put it down. And at the end of the day, you you essentially clean it up, reflect, and then either move things forward, delete it, or, or whatever. So that put me in the mindset, and it changed my life because I was trapped in the digital space, and I was like, my my truth was in this journal. And so, the the bullet journal was definitely more task management mindset, but it was the first thing that brought me back to pen and paper. And pen and paper, when you're chronicling your day, just opens your mind to like your thoughts are there and you're like, okay, I'm going to capture. He was much into capturing things, right? So you capture kind of what's going on. So I started capturing things and that's what led me to do deeper reflection. So without, without the bullet journal and I wind up, I went, you know, not to go down that rabbit hole, but I wind up buying his uh, Kickstarter and getting the very first bullet journal. I've met writer in person. I beta tested some of his products. He's a, he's an amazing man and he's done great things. Um, but the act of bullet journaling, basically, and, and that's to say that you don't have to have a bullet journal, but if you're out there and you're like, where do I start with a journaling practice? Pick up a pen and pick up any sheet of paper. It could be the back of an envelope and just capture some thoughts. You don't have to, you don't have to die in that ditch, but you just need to start capturing the thoughts because what, what I, what I realized through this journaling practice, if I, if I can continue on this is that I was living life in a circle. I was, I was repeating, I was in Groundhog Day, if you ever seen that movie. And I, and, and I, they, the feelings in the morning would feel so real when I would have regret of, of drinking too much the night before. And, and it felt like that was the first, first time I've ever felt that feeling, but I was able to turn the page and look back and realize, no, I, that's exactly how I felt six months ago. That's exactly how I felt three months ago. And I'm, and I'm repeating, I'm repeating, I'm not growing, I'm repeating. And so I'm like, I've got to break the cycle. I've got to break this cycle. I'm, I'm stuck in a, in a, in a loop, in a cycle. And, and that's what unclicked where I was like, okay, how do I do? And it's hard. It's so hard, whether it's drinking or whether it's just habit formation, but, but that journaling, that capturing that goes back to awareness, that journaling practice, this, the capturing of the data, not trying to fix it, not trying to plan on what to do next, but just having your handwritten notes showing you that over a time period, you're doing the same things over and over. That's what brought awareness into my life. Um, so going back to, and so just if I, if I can, so you have awareness and that is, that is such a huge step for any transformation or any change is you, you need to be able to start telling yourself the truth and be aware of things. And then the next hard, the next jump, if you will, is accepting 
that I have responsibility. Like this might not be my fault. I might, there could be all kinds of circumstances that, that, that have led this, this problem into my life, whether it's alcohol or any other problem you might have. Uh, and acceptance says, well, it might not be my fault, but I'm going to take responsibility for it. And what the hell am I going to do next? And that's a huge leap. But first, if you're in awareness and you're and and you need to be, a, uh, I, I, would, I would send the message that if awareness is all you're physically capable of, if it's too overwhelming to move to acceptance, it's okay. Sit with awareness for a while and just sit with it and just, just, just be mindful of what it is. And then when that time is ready, then you can move into an, uh, a mindset of acceptance. And then that triggers, well, what am I going to do about it? I need a community. I need accountability. I need a plan and all the rest, but I wouldn't put that on yourself until you're emotionally and physically ready to really tackle that. That would be my, uh, answer to that question. I know it's long-winded. <laughs> yeah, no, that was perfect. I loved all of it. And you're doing a really good job of answering my next question. Just like naturally answering the question before, um, but something I was reminded of, it was a, a TikTok of all things that I saw. And the person was talking about, um, weed about marijuana rather than alcohol, but they're basically saying, if you at the start of the day say, I'm not going to do this today. And then at the end of the day, you end up doing it. You need to look at that. You know, if you start your day wanting one thing and then you fall into the habit, you said you weren't, you're going to do whatever it is, you know, it, it's something that you, you want to pay attention to, whether it's scrolling on TikTok or, you know, an addiction, like watching Netflix, just binging Netflix at the end of the day, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, if, if you want to not do it and you do it anyways, some, the, the universe is trying to tell you something there. There's something you need to pay attention to. Um, so I feel like you already started talking about this a little bit, but what, what is, describe the work that you do with the, the people that you work with. Absolutely. So right now I'm in the early stages of building out my sober AF world. And there are plenty of models out there, right? There are a lot of people that do what I do and, 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 or what I'm attempting to do as well. And, and I'm okay with that because I think in the, in the larger world, right? If you're an entrepreneur, my, my message would be, if you're an entrepreneur and there's people in your space, like there's probably room for you to be in that space, right? Because you're, you're trying to connect your voice with others and, and, you know, you don't have to be necessarily always be Tony Robbins to be motivational to people, right? You can be micro, uh, hell, I, I, I try to be helpful to the people right outside my front door in my neighborhood and, and try to, uh, offer words of encouragement. And so, um, what what I, what I'm what I'm doing currently that I have available is is a coaching program. I have four people that I'm working with right now, and uh, very organic. Some of one of them was a referral. A couple of them found me on LinkedIn. Like this wasn't exactly like I had a huge marketing program or something, right? Um, I don't have a Facebook account. I don't have an Instagram account. Uh, so I had a LinkedIn account. So I put a few things out there, and um, every time I post on LinkedIn there's always one or two people that'll hit me on direct message. They won't like anything because, because alcohol unfortunately has still has a stigma that if you raise your hand and say, you know, I don't like the way I feel when I drink, even if you're a middle of the road drinker in this world and no one thinks you have a problem and you don't really, you know, that, that I'm getting off target a little bit here, but I believe that, I don't believe in the once you're addicted, that you're always addicted. I believe that just like you can learn a bad habit and you can unlearn it. I, I think there is a, percentage of the population that addiction is real and you have to admit that in the short term but you can overcome that addiction and and so the stigma currently unfortunately especially on LinkedIn which I get comments sometimes that is pretty pretty uh 
gutsy of you to post things on LinkedIn uh, about this. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's the message it, it's in professional life and it should be talked about. And I get people that are like, yeah, with my job and happy hours and, and the meetups and, and all of the different things. And, and they don't want to accept the term alcoholic that there's a fear there. Right. And, and my message is you don't necessarily have to accept that. If that's not the term you want, if you don't want to self-apply that label, that's someone else's label. Don't pick it up. We, we can apply our own labels if we want to. That's not to say that there's not a space and people in this world that need rehab and medical interventions, no doubt. I'm talking about the people that just middle of the road drinkers who, who are social would consider themselves a social drinker. And so what I do is, is I put a voice out there for those type of people. Like, you know, this is, this is a choice you're making. Do you want to, you want to, you want to talk about making other choices? And essentially it's, it's a simple uh, coaching program where, where I, I talk to them on a weekly basis, kind of assess kind of where they are with and engage what level of accountability they want. Some of them is a little bit more, we, I chat with them through the week on text or email as an accountability to kind of set some goals and things like that. And then have a weekly call other people. Um, sometimes we just do a weekly call and they're good They're And you know, um, what's surprising to me going back to, um, the demographic, so to speak, like the, going back to the stigma, I, the, the, the idea that, oh, if you don't drink, you're going to make more money and you're going to get healthier. And, and all of that can be true. Cause I, I think it's was somewhat true for myself. I've lost weight and other things like that, but I have, I have someone that makes a lot of money that I'm working with that struggles with alcohol. I have a guy that does Ironmans. I kid you not. And because he comes through the tent and everybody drinks and he's more of a binge type drinker, right? The guy, the guy is 8% body fat for crying out loud and, and has all the health you can possibly imagine, but he knows that that last nugget is getting over the alcohol, right? Um, I've got a young man who's starting out in his career and got kind of pulled into a career of like, oh, we have happy hours and this and that. And, and, and he, he's basically kind of fallen into the trap of, of, of enjoying drinking beer a little bit more than he should. And he's like, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't, I know where this path is going. I know where this is going to end up for me. I can feel, I can feel the pull more than I want. I accept it. And, at, and at, as a young man below 30, I'm pretty impressed that he had that much awareness and he reached out to me. So it's just, it's striking how it affects so many different people. But that, that's essentially what I do is I offer um, some guidance, accountability, and a little bit of community. That, those are kind of the components that I'm doing now. And I hope to have, not hope, I'm going to be having a community come up in, in, in December, my own little Mighty Network community. And then I'm going to have a physical monthly newsletter uh, launch in February. So I'm excited about that. So those are going to be my components, some teaching a guide and some and a coaching component with a community. Awesome. Yeah. And the talking about the guy with the 8% body fat, the athlete there, it is interesting how that still, even in that environment and Ironmans are no joke. They're, no. They are intense. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you finish like a, an OCR race, a obstacle course race, like a rugged maniac or a Spartan. And right when you register, you get a band that gives you a free drink. Now, as you were talking, I realized this year at the Spartan races, I'm pretty sure they didn't have regular beer available. They just had athletic brew, which yeah. is a non-alcoholic beer. So it's, it's starting to spread. And the Spartan community is, is very athletic, the yeah. even more than rugged maniac, you know, and uh, of those types of OCR races. Um, so it's definitely becoming a bigger and bigger thing, but it's still 
it's still hard. It's still hard yep. to break all of the the social norms. So it's cool that things like athletic beer, I just saw a commercial for a non-alcoholic Guinness. So they're mm-hmm. all starting to, to kind of tap into that there a little is. bit. And I, I want to jump in on that. Uh, I, I know I've been lecturing a little bit, but Bill, Bill's the gentleman who started athletic brewing. I've met him in person uh, just because he came to Austin and I, I, and I was like, I'm going to meet this guy. And so I just went out to his event and great guy. And, and uh, you know, he, he has blown up and they are the best tasting non-alcoholic beer out there. In my opinion, no matter everyone else is trying, but he has a certain formula and Going back to the entrepreneur, I want to tell his uh, little micro story for him. I met him and I'm talking to him and he's he's passing out tastings all, but this is before he got funding and he's bigger now and all the rest. But he had, he, he, he's an accountant type. He's a numbers guy. And, and, and he didn't want to have the stigma associated with like not drinking, uh, in a beer is like, oh, that's, that's all that those are for the alcoholics to blah, blah, blah. He went for the athletic. That's why he named it athletic because people come just like you're talking about. So coming across the finish line, here's a healthy alternative, or at least a better alternative. Right. Um, and he had, uh, Stephanie, he had 200 brewers turning down 200. In other words, he's going around going, please, someone work with me. I want, I need help. I, I need, I, this is my idea. And he made the pitches. No one would, work. and he he gave up and his wife kicked him in the butt and said, you're not giving up on this idea. You're not giving up. And it was on the 205th interview. So can you imagine trying to start something and you've asked 200 people you've interviewed and no one, and I think most people would give up. I know I would probably, I, I don't care what my wife would have said. I'd probably have been like, no, no I'll never get this done. And so I, I know there's a million stories like that of just that one next time. Um, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of like the guy from Shawshank Redemption. If he didn't keep digging, you know, you, you're almost through the tunnel uh, uh, before he got out. So to speak, if you give up, you'll never, you never escape. So if you're an entrepreneur out there and you're digging your hole, it is important to validate, you know, am I in the, am I directionally in the right direction? But if you really believe you're in that right direction, you, I, th- I think that even if you never break through, I'd rather die knowing that I'm digging and doing something than giving up basically. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And there, you're right. There's, there are so many stories like that, like Colonel Sanders from KFC, I think it was like 106 or I mean, sorry, excuse me, a thousand and six no's or a thousand and nine. I forget exactly mm-hmm. before he finally got a yes. And now look at KFC, you yeah. know, it's everywhere. So I, I think to be an entrepreneur, uh, to be entrepreneurial, you have to be a little bit stubborn <laughs> and have a pretty thick skin to be able to keep pushing forwards and, and be very, it, like we were talking about self-awareness, be very in tune with what matters to you so yes. that you can keep pushing forwards even when it gets hard. But then just like you're talking about with the sober AF community, you need community as well. You know, yes. Stephen King, Stephen King's wife pulled the manuscript out of the trash can because he'd gotten so many no's he was ready to give up. And then she, you know, she finally sent it out one more time and that was what started it all. So yeah, yeah you got to be real persistent, yeah, <laughs> a little bit hard headed too. And, and I, I would, I would also encourage you and I, you know, know each other through our community uh, with Scott and um, you've got to keep you, you, you I, I, I used to get down on myself and, and retool all the time and, and, and having you guys, I, I can't, I can't basically promoting the community, not, not that community, but just any community of seeing people and us encouraging each other. And it's like those micro steps matter. And, and so there have been, there've been months where I didn't make much progress and there's other months where I make progress and, and the, the, 
it's it's just that drip, drip, drip. You just got to keep pushing the ball forward. And so even if you like, you know, with myself, I'm working a full-time job and also doing uh, my side hustle, so to speak. Um, it's, it's a challenge and I got to keep my wife happy. She, she's awesome. She's working from home today and, and, and family and dogs and cats and all the rest, you know, and it's like, you, you still have to time block. Like my wife was helping me, encourage me time block for yourself. There's a lot of times where I time block all these other things and I'm not time blocking not to do something like email this person do like actually to sit down and think because like um, writing copy uh, there's just there's the nuts and bolts updating certain things like I need I need that mental time where it's like it's okay it's okay in other words um, I'm on a tangent here, but I think it's important for entrepreneurs to think, I don't want to be sitting at my desk trying to do hard work going, oh, you know, I, I really need to unload the dishwasher too. And like, give yourself permission that it's okay for you to sit down for an hour and a half and just to think, you know, like finding the time and the space. Yes. So that your kids aren't interrupting or whatever, but also mentally for yourself. So you can say, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I am supposed to be sitting here writing or thinking or whatever, not doing the dishes. You know, I don't know. Yeah, no, and it it is really hard. And I think people, a lot of people that are entrepreneurial, especially entrepreneurial teachers, or we're doing it because we care. We we care deeply about all of it. So I absolutely struggle with that. I know that I need to get this thing done for my business, but then I also want to be there for my kid, and then I also want to connect with friends, and I also want to you know, keep growing myself and and making time for that. And it could be so easy to fall into this trap of trying to do it all at the same time. And then you basically do nothing. So yes. you need, <laughs> you know, and that's why I love like the Scott Shepherd community. We have like co-working sessions that we do. There's also a great app called Focus Mates or uh, online platform called Focus Mates where you come together with another person and you just both sit there and work. And it just goes back to that the importance of community, of having other people that support you, that kick you in the butt, whether it's your wife or an actual like online community that you're a part of, um, which does kind of naturally lead me to uh, a question that I think is is good to ask is when should someone work with you or someone like you versus going to Al-Anon or seeking some other sort of professional intervention? Like mm -hmm. where's mm -hmm. that line? I think, I think that's, I, I'm not a medical professional, so it's, I don't, I don't have an easy answer for you on that. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I can't be prescriptive um, and that, in that nature, that's outside my purview, but I would, I would say that um, if you feel that it's, that you need, because there is, there is a uh, medical use disorder, right? So that is a diagnos diagnosable medical condition that would need a medical intervention. And uh if you if you stop drinking for one day and you have serious physical physical I'm talking about physical not only just cravings but but um, uh, you you probably need to Google uh, alcohol use disorder and look at some of those symptoms and if you experience some of those I probably would reach out for a medical medical intervention if if it's if it's just a, a twinge in your heart of like you know I'm drinking more than I should like like a middle of the road drinker is more like, you know, I'm just going to have three glasses or two glasses of wine tonight. And you wind up finishing the bottle just because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably where, you know, you, you need to start looking at yourself a little bit and journaling and that sort of thing. Right. So do you need a one-on-one -on -one coach? That's kind of like, depends upon, um, 
versus a community. It depends upon how you're wired. It, uh, there, there's a lot of times the people that come to me, um, the trigger that I hear is I have no one else to talk about. Like I need to talk this out. Like if you, if you need to talk it out, like, am I, do I need a gut check? What's going on with this? I don't know. I have no one, no one else in my world to talk to this about. And, and there's been people that I talked to and, and I push them in a direction. I'm like, Hey, do this, this, and this, you know, some tracking and some bait. And that's why I have a guide basically is like a kind of a kickstart. Like uh, this is some of the steps you should do. And a lot of people are like, Hey, this is awesome. And boom. And they're off and running and they, they can, they can, they can do, they can go with that. I did, right. I didn't have a coach. Uh, so it's not like, I'm like, you have to have a coach, but then there's other people that like that check-in and need that, like, Hey, I'm doing this. What should I do next? Okay. So what's, what I tried this and it didn't work. What else could I do? Uh, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's, a it's kind of depends on how you're wired. And uh, I'm not one of those types that says you need a coach forever. You know, there, there was a guy that I helped for like six weeks and that, you know, he didn't, you know, generally offer like a three month thing or whatever, but uh, the goal, my goal is for you not to be my client anymore, <laughs> not to keep you as a client forever. Right. It's like, uh, get them, get you the help you need. So it's a good question. And, and it's, there's so many, the exciting thing now, I think in the space that I'm in with sober coaching and sober in general, is there, it used to be only AA. That was the only option 20 years ago. And there's so many more options. Smart recovery is another one you can look up for different groups. And there are a host of online resources now and communities. And it, it's just about finding someone that you resonate with because, uh, that 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 would be the key you could because you have to be open you have to there's a there's a little bit of submission of like i need i need some help through this and who 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 will you accept there's some there's certain people in my life that they give me advice and for whatever reason i still haven't quite at 55 and figured this out it triggers me i get pissed i'm like i don't want people telling me what to do i don't like this person telling me what to do and 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 there are other people that I'll accept advice from, and they tell me what to do, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I need to do that. And it's like I'm more receptive, and and I think that's some of it, you know. Uh, so I don't know if I fully, I kind of dance around there a little bit, but I hope hopefully that'll frame some things up for people. Yeah, yeah, no, these are all great answers to to these questions, and you really each time are like hitting my next question. We're on the same wavelength here, so I wanted to uh, wrap up with some not so rapid, rapid fire questions. Sure. And the the first one was actually, what should people look for um, in someone who does what you do? Like, how do you find someone that does what you do? And I think you just hit on one really good thing, which is making sure that you you resonate with that person. It's someone that you're gonna wanna you know, kind of confide in, listen to, talk to. Um, is there anything else, any any red flags to watch out for from a sober coach or uh, any any other advice you have to find someone if someone feels yeah. like they need a sober coach? I would, I would, uh, yeah, uh, red flags. I mean, it, it's like, there, there, there's different models. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a party of one, if you will. So if you deal with me, you get me, there's others that have a face, you know, they built a bigger brand and, uh, and so you funnel into their system and then there's a, a bunch of sub coaches underneath there. This is fine, but there again, you need to pick someone, especially if you're spending money, right? There's basically the investment. I tell people, yeah, coaching costs money. Uh, because you're basically buying my time. I'm I'm spending time with you, right? And it and it's it's a, I I it, it's a it's a weird space in that because coaching in general, um, especially uh, with alcohol, it's like uh, 
you know, I, I'm very sensitive that people are in a, in a, in a vulnerable space with addiction and that, that I'm very careful of, of, and, and I would be, I would be mindful of that. You're be aware that you're in a vulnerable position and not to be uh, taking advantage of, right. With either too high of cost or uh, promising you the moon um, because it's like you, you've got to take those first steps. And, and so mainly, mainly have someone that you resonate and, and also in a communication fashion that you like, whether it's email, whether it's phone um, and that sort of thing, because most of it's going to be remote. Right. So and also trying to look at people in your community, uh, find find people, hashtag, I don't use social media a lot, but I would hashtag local and meetups and see if there's some people uh, that you find locally. And my last little comment on that is that don't let other people push. This is your sobriety journey. I don't, it's not mine. It's not someone else's. If you decide that you're going to have an NA drink, uh, a beer, like we talked about, and someone else says, oh my God, well, you're not sober because it has a half percent of alcohol. If you're okay with it, then you're okay with it. Okay. And, and don't, don't let other people define your sobriety journey. There you go. Beautiful. And what's one thing that you would suggest to our listeners that they can apply to their lives today from the work that you do? I would say start tracking. I would, I would set up a simple templates. First thing I do when I have someone get a spreadsheet, a one, one, two, three, 30 days, or get a, get a three by five card or four by six card. Like I love like this and just put one through 30. And you want to say, uh, what time did you take your first drink? That's the most important thing. Okay. What time of the day was it? And then, uh, the number of total drinks you took that day. And the reason what, what, what prompted you to take that first drink? Oh, I was pissed off at my, with my husband. Oh, work was stressed today. Oh, I was celebrating a birthday, whatever it is. And just get some data on a spreadsheet or a card, uh, so that you can just honestly look at what's going on, right? How much, how, what the frequency are, are there gaps? And really what you're trying to look for is the motivation of like, why are you doing this? What, 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 what's, and, and, and then, and there's look for some data points basically of like, are there any connections here and, and be in, and, and just decide, am I okay with this or am I not okay with it? I mean, it's not like it's a, um, uh, this whole shame and blame cycle. You, you got to get out of that. It's, it's like, put some stuff down on paper, reflect on it. And, and, uh, and just going back to the awareness conversation, right. Then the number one thing I, I think is so important. Uh, my mantra is tell yourself the truth you got to start with telling yourself the, the absolute truth. Awesome. And what's the most valuable lesson that you've learned through your entrepreneurial teaching journey? So as, as an entrepreneur now, what's the most important thing you've learned? I can't wait till I get to the day where I can only do the things that I like to do and I can offload and pay someone else to do all the stuff that I don't want to do. Uh, and I think it's, it's, uh, the number one thing I've learned and, and mainly in my uh, being on Scott's team. So, uh, you know, I, Scott Shepard in our community, you know, I, I'm part of his team and I have seen how the sausage is made, so to speak, meaning that uh, there's a lot of fun and all the stuff you get to do. And I know you know this because you've run, you've run multiple businesses, right? And no one really wants to talk about, oh, I've got to balance my books. I've got to, I've got to deal with uh, an insurance question. I've got to, um, I've got to do documentation after every one of my uh, coaching calls, right. To, to capture both, uh, next actions, but also log the call. And, you know, it, it's the, it's, it's the, I would say if you're doing, if you're working for the man 
and you're like, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, because I don't like all this BS clerical stuff that I got to do and all this rules that they put around me. Well, guess what? Those things that you're running from yourself because those things will follow you. Maybe you'll be able to get outside of that and hire someone, but until you become profitable, um, those things will always be with you. Um, and so Dan Collins gave me the book, The E-Myth, uh, which uh, just talks about how if you're a baker, as an example, and all you want to do is break, bake bread. Well, guess what? You got a lot more to do than just baking bread every day. You got to be good at that plus a lot of other things. And so the biggest thing I've learned, my takeaway for this for the person is focus on all those other things. And, and you have to be going back to telling yourself the truth. Do I want to do what it takes? Do I do, do I want to do what it takes to get over to the other side? And basically you're here and you're like, this is entrepreneur land where I'm making money that I'm comfortable with and paying it. And I've got to swim across this chasm. And it's like, you get, you start leaving. Most of us leave and then we get afraid and we go back to our safe spot and we leave and we're like, oh man, it's just like, oh, this other person, I'm so, I'm, you know, jealousy essentially. Like, I wish I could be like them. Well, you could be, you've got to swim. You've got to make, you, you, you've got to make the journey and that journey is hard, but it will forge you into a new person and and you'll learn lessons along the way and you just you gotta you gotta make you've got to believe and you've got to get to the other side that would be the lesson i would say yeah no you basically just summed up one of seth godin's books the dip oh where it's like when you <laughs> when you dive into you know any new thing whether it's entrepreneurial or not there's going to be that dip where it gets really really hard and you should look at it before you dive in look at whether or not you're going to be willing to plod through that hard part. And you really do as an entrepreneur, you got to in some ways become a jack of all trades, unless you're going in with a lot of money. Like if you have a really good nest egg that you saved up from your day job, um, there's, you're going to have to learn how to do a lot of stuff because mm -hmm. if, especially if you're a solopreneur, if you're on your own, you know, if you want a website built, you're, well, you're either investing five to $10,000 or you're building it yourself. So you gotta, you know, you gotta be willing to do all of that hard work and learn a lot of new skills. And there's always more than you expect. It's, it's 10 times more than what you think it's going to be. Um, so now final question, uh, how can people connect with you? And also you mentioned a guide, how can they get that guide? I'm sure it's through, you know, how they can connect with you. So yep, how can people find you? terrygreer.com that's all things that i'm i'm building that that's that that website is in development there's some and it'll be by the time this posts there there's an operational uh site right terrygreer.com basically um the guide uh i'm moving it into print form here soon um but you can also email me just at terry at terrygreer.com totally fine to shoot, shoot me an email. I will, I will mail it to you if you, if you, if you're not on my list, but basically if you go to that page, it'll be a landing page. You put in your email address. I'll send you the, uh, the guide, uh, how to get started, basically how to quit alcohol without willpower, uh, and, or going to meetings. Um, uh, and so that would be that. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, Stephanie, uh, you and I have history together and I, I just so glad that you gave me the opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you for being here. And then just so everyone has it, it's, uh, Terry Greer. So T E R R Y G R I E R.com. So that's where you can find Terry. And thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Stephanie.